be seated. Well, good morning. So my name is Steve Hammes, and uh, welcome to Shiloh this morning for making this your place of worship. And um, for those of you online, we welcome you guys too. So we are in week number two of our series called DRIVE. We want to take this acronym DRIVE and, and relate it to our spiritual walk. So last week, Pastor Ed kicked us off with a message using the letter of D. Does anybody remember what it stood for, the D? Directions, right. So it's an awesome message. If you guys haven't heard it, go back and, and take a look at it. Um, he talked about how God gives us direction in our lives, and he's essentially the GPS in our lives, and how to that foundation of, of hearing from God and his directions. I think everyone remembers your experience of learning how to drive. And when I learned how to drive, we had to go to driver's ed, and, and we had these simulators. Go ahead and put it up. And um, so you sat and you, anybody remember these things? Did you guys have them? I grew up in Iowa, so maybe Iowa was ahead of the curve. But anyway, you'd sit in this thing, and it was the dashboard of a car. It had everything on it, the speedometer, and it was in a tractor trailer, so it had one, two, and an aisle, and three and four. And you would watch this video on the big screen. And you would drive down the street, and the guy in the back, our instructor, had this console that could tell how you were doing. So if you went too fast, it would light up, and he would yell at you to slow down. And you'd go, have to turn and go around the curves, and you'd, you'd go, and the car would stop in front of you right away, and you'd have to stop. And then a little bouncing ball, and behind every bouncing ball is a, a baby, right? That was, this, that was the thing. You're, and you slow down, and you don't hit the baby. Our driver's ed instructor would fall asleep. So we would be watching, and as soon as he fell asleep, and we'd jam it, and we'd go 100 miles an hour. We'd be cutting across people's yards. If the car in front of us stopped, we'd smash into them. We would go 100 miles an hour, and they'd slam it in reverse, and the thing would just shudder. And then we'd just keep going and going, and that little ball that came out, hit it. If the kid came out, hit it. And we just, whatever it took, to, and we just did this. And at some point, he had so many alarms going on the screen, he would wake up, and he'd go, What's going on? We'd say, we don't know. We're just driving. And, and he would, so it, it was a blast. Got out of driver's ed. I still learned how to drive. And I, and I bought my first car. And Ed showed his car. Yours was a really classy car. Though. So, so this is the car that I bought. Mine didn't look like that. Mine, mine looked like that. <laughs> but I wanted this car so bad. And, and it was a manual and it had a sunroof, and, and I put pinstripes on it. And so when I went, I talked to everybody before I bought it, you know, all about owning a car with the stick shift and all that. The pros and the cons, I went to pick it up with my dad in a snowstorm. And we went and we signed the paperwork, and he left. I didn't know how to drive a stick. I'd, n I'd never bothered to take people's advice to learn how to drive a stick. So I got in the car, and I got it started, and I drove managed to drive it through the snowstorm and I went I bet I killed this thing 50 times and burned out a clutch and slid through three or four stop signs and and I managed to get it in the garage and I left it there I didn't drive it for like two weeks I was terrified and my mom and dad would say how come you're not driving your new car I don't want to get it dirty or whatever the case I just lied because I was so proud that I blew through all the advice of people Go practice before you buy that car. Which leads us to today, our R in our acrostic, which is red light, green light. This whole idea of the stoplight, 
So in 1913, the Model Ts, Henry Ford's Model Ts, were coming off the assembly line and being produced. And they could go 40 miles an hour. But the roads weren't geared to handle vehicles going 40 miles an hour because horses don't go that fast. So there were a lot of accidents. And in Cleveland, at the intersection of Euclid and 105th Street, 105, there was an accident with one of the big oil magnets. And he complained about it, but he escaped with his life. And then an engineer named James Hoge had a solution for this. He borrowed from the, air, the, the uh, railroad industry the idea of a red light and a green light, and he took the electricity going for the trolleys in the street, and he came up with the first stoplight. So there was a policeman underneath the stoplight that could turn it from red to green, and I would so want this job. <laughs> red light! <laughs> green light! <laughs> but that's where the game came from. Red light, green light. You guys ever play that game, red light, green light? That's, that's where it came from. But there was 4,000 accidents that year in 1913 because people didn't have time to stop. So a gentleman named William Potts, who was a police officer, saw the problem, but he had also studied electrical engineering, and he came up with the idea of the yellow light. But because he was a municipal employee, he couldn't patent it. <laughs> Bummer. So, the National Association of City Transportation Officials says that the ideal time sitting at a red light is between 60 and 90 seconds. If you average that at 75 seconds, the AAA estimates that you spend about 20% of your driving time sitting at traffic lights, at red lights. So, take that. And the AAA, AAA also says that we spend on average about 3,520 minutes or 58.6 hours sitting at a red light every year. So if you start driving at 16 and you stop driving at 65, you'll have spent 2,871 hours sitting at stoplights before you even retire. That's 119 days or approximately four months of your life sitting at a red light. Isn't it amazing that these lights can direct your behavior? We now look at a red light and you associate it to stop or agreeing to go, and it's just ingrained in our behavior. Have you ever driven somewhere and you got there safely, and then you realized you don't remember a thing about the whole commute of how you got there? You get there and it's like, I don't even remember my drive. My foot went on the gas. When the light was green, my, my foot went on the brake when the light was red, but I remember nothing about it. But that takes after years of driving that you can, that you can do that. But when you first drive, started driving, it wasn't that way. You had to practice. And as we take this acrostic of driving and, and, and attribute it to our spiritual life, you know, I was thinking about my early days of being a Christian, and, and it was all new, and I I'm, and I'm asked a lot of people, how do you as a Christian know how to make a decision. How do you know when it's God's provision to go or his warning to stop? How do you know if you're supposed to do something or how do you know if you're not? How do you know if it's not just your, your conscience saying, I want that really bad, and justifying it? It's, it's confusing. If you're looking at it as a new Christian, sometimes it looks like this, right? It's like, I don't know. Who, who do I listen to? But our Christian walk isn't designed to be confusing. God didn't design it that way, and, and he's given us tools to help. And last week, Ed started with some great tools as a foundation. We're going to build on that this week. So the scripture that I think best applies to this is in 1 Corinthians 6.12. And I'm going to read two different versions of it. 
The first is the NIV version, and it says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And then let's read it in the message version, because the message sometimes just is cool, right, Patty? It says, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I would be a slave to my whims. There is so much truth to this statement, to this verse. In America, we are so used to having our rights and our freedoms and not having them trampled upon. You know, if you just look at society today and look at the changes that have come in so fast, you know, words we can't say, statues that we're removing because we're removing history, things that we have to just juggle around in society. We have social media. It's given us a platform to hide behind a keyboard cast off all restraints and type whatever we want and completely destroy somebody. You notice the change in driving, how aggressive people are becoming because they can, because it's permissible. But as Christians, how do we navigate it? And how do we make decisions in the midst of an environment that's changing so much and so fast? I think it boils down to a couple things. One, it's getting to know God and getting to know his instructions for life. The Bible, the word of God, his handbook for living. Getting to know it, and then two, practicing it and walking it out by faith, day by day. And number three, having like-minded people, other Christians in our lives who can speak into our lives and who can come alongside with advice. When I look at the three lights, I have a couple thoughts on each. On the red light, it means stop. (laughs) That's good. Um, But there are things, I think, in life that God gives us a red light, and it's a red light for good. It's a red light to say stop for our own good. And the Bible is full of them. I'm going to give you an example. 2 Timothy 2.22. It says, Flee from the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish, quarrel, with foolish and stupid arguments because you know that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, and not resentful. God has things in his word that are red lights. These are the type of lights that don't change back to green. And when you look at the activities in your life, some of us are standing under the light, and God said to stop it, and we're just standing there waiting, and it's not going to turn green. And after a while, we get impatient, And we go through with it anyway, and we do the same type of behavior we did before, but we expect a different result, but we don't get a different result. It's because God asked you to stop it and stay stopped. In fact, on some of our actions and some of our things in our lives when we're a Christian, we're supposed to not only stop, you're supposed to turn the car off and get out and leave that there. So if you're at a red light, it's a good time for you to step back and use that time checking in with God. So Zig Ziglar, how many of you guys remember the name Zig Ziglar? Great motivational speaker. And he used to always talk about the time that you spend in the car. You can use it however you want. You can listen to music. You can talk to yourself, whatever you want. But you could also consider it to be Automobile University. Use that time to learn another language. Use that time to get a college degree, to learn something. But I also think in his advice, the time that we spend at red lights, both really and metaphorically, can be spent talking to God and checking in with him. Psalm 105 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits 
And in his word, I put my hope. And Hebrews 6.15 says, and, after, and so, after waiting patiently at the red light, Abraham received what was promised. In the first Corinthians, therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hid, things hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. So maybe God has you sitting at a red light for something in your life. Maybe it's that job that you're seeking. Maybe it's that promotion. Maybe it's trying to buy that house. Maybe it's trying to have that baby. Maybe it's a relationship that's not progressing fast enough. Or maybe it's a ministry that's not taken off, but he's got you sitting at the red light. And Luke 11 says, seek and you will find. This is a promise from God. Seek God and you will find him. Ask and it shall be given to you. And sometimes I think instead of asking for things, we just need to simply ask for direction and wisdom and guidance. But when we run, run that red light, it can have consequences. I remember when my wife and I had our first child, we wanted a house. We wanted a house really bad. We were in a, in a little condo. So we went out. We shopped for a house. We found this little house that fit our budget. And it was small. And we just wanted this house. And the realtor told us, I want you to know about something. This cul-de-sac here, the neighbor, is in a dispute with everybody here. They're in a big fight. And the land in front of this house is a little sliver that goes right in front of the house that belongs to him. Just want you guys to know that. What could go wrong with that? We bought the house. So we signed the paperwork, signed the PNS, and then the next week we drove by it. And there was an eight-foot-tall fence in front of the entire house on his little sliver of property. We blew through everybody's advice. We blew through the red light, and we, and we did it. Thankfully, we were able to go back and negotiate, and we got out of the deal, and we regrouped, and we prayed. Okay, God, sorry about that. And we found another house that was perfect for us. And we went and we made an offer on it, and they sold it to somebody else. Red light. It's like, ah, oh, what a bummer. So we waited. It went through all the spring, all the fall, went back into the wintertime when we got a call in December from a friend who said, hey, you guys, that house is back on the market. So we went back, prayed about it, put in an offer, 20000 less, and they took it. God's green light. So when we go through red lights, Sometimes it's just a ticket. Sometimes it's disastrous, no matter what it is. And sometimes nothing happens. So question for you. How many of you guys are the people that when no one's, no one's around and you hit that stoplight and you hit that red light, how many of you guys blow through it? Don't raise your hands if you don't want because <laughs> you are those people. But we can do that. Then the danger of that is we don't always know. What's on the other side? And in life, when we start to blow through those red lights, nothing might happen the first time. But it gets us to rely on our own sense of whether something is safe to proceed. And it becomes a habit. And that's the way that the enemy can start to work on us. Green light. Green means? <laughs> no. It means proceed with caution. It means proceed with caution. I had to look it up because I said go to. But if you think about it, in real life, when the light's green and you start to go, you might be taking a left-hand turn, and if you don't yield to those people coming at you, you're going to get in an accident, right? You have to start and look around to see, is somebody else violating that red light? And you proceed with caution. You know, and I think that God is much more of a green light God than a red light God. You know, in our, in our banner there, it says, 
Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And Ed brought this up last week that it's a logical flow. But when we believe in God and when we start to follow God, the world would tell you it's like a funnel and it just gets narrow. You're so restricted by everything as you find and discover God. And it's really just the opposite. It's freedom. And maybe the people that sit there at the red light, even though it's gone green, and they're afraid to go. There's a little light in Amherst that's known for this. When you're sitting there, the people come and they want to turn left in front of you. As soon as the light turns green, they go for it. And I am a member of the Road Ethics Police, the REP, so I have a duty. I'm going to help them realize the error of their ways. So I see them with their wheels turned, and as soon as it turns green, I step on the gas and go a little bit, and I watch their surprise. I was like, oh, I can't do that. But there are people who jump through that, red, that green light as soon as they can. But sometimes when we sit under it and it turns green, we're paralyzed by fear. And when God's given you the green light to go, maybe you spent the time preparing for something, a job. Maybe you spent the time getting ready for whatever it is that you, that you plan to do. And then God says, go. And fear has paralyzed you. You know, I was, years ago I shared this analogy of the, the stick shift column, Prundy 21, I call it. There are times in life that we're supposed to park and shut the car off and get out and leave something. There are times in life when we're supposed to reverse and go back and take a different path. There are times that we're supposed to be in neutral and just sit there and wait on God. And there are times that we're supposed to drive. You're supposed to put the gas on. You're supposed to go. And there are times in life that are hard. And you've got to put it in second or first, which are the really high-power gears. You don't go fast, but it helps you climb through that hurdle to get up that hill to get you through that. And there are times that we're supposed to just go and trust in God. Remember when our kids were little, my wife came to me and I had just started my business and she was the major breadwinner because I wasn't making any money and she came up to me and said, you know, God told me that we're supposed to homeschool the kids. I said, no, he didn't. (laughs) No, 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 he didn't. And she said, no, I, I really think that he did. And I couldn't tell her, but in my mind I had this image of screwed up little kids wearing a curtain that was sewn into a short, into a shirt, and having a floby haircut, and looking really weird, and, and I and I just struggled with it. So we prayed about it and said, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna do it. And as I was praying, I heard God ask me, he says, Do you trust me? And I said, Yeah. And he goes, Well then act like it. What an eye opener for me. Act like it. Step out in faith. We stepped out in faith. I have no idea how we got through it. We had no money, but it worked. God blessed us. We didn't have extra, but we had enough, and it was one of the most rewarding things in my life is to have our kids home. So how do you know? How do you know is that God telling me to do something, or is it me, right? So I have a couple of principles that, that we go by in, in our lives. And, and first is, does our decision line up with the word of God? Does it violate any biblical truths? Is it legal, ethical, and moral? Ed had such a great piece of advice to look up scripture in Google. Because sometimes you say, you know what, I have the Bible. I don't know where to go. What an awesome piece of advice. Google anxiety. Google fear, Google uh, money, handling money, and the scriptures will come up and then take those scriptures and get into the scripture and read all around that verse and get the wisdom from the Bible. Psalm 119 says, through your precepts, I get understanding. 
Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Number two, is the Holy Spirit giving you a clear conscience? The Holy Spirit will not violate Scripture. If you're kept up at night and it's bothering you, it's just eating away at you, I love what Andy Stanley says. He says, pay attention to the tension. When there's tension in your spirit, pay attention to it. The Holy Spirit works through that way. Paul said in Acts 2, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. But he stepped out in faith because he had a clear conscience. Three, get the counsel of trusted godly people. I had too much pride when I bought my car to to take advice and to obey it. And in life, we've gone through a number of times that that we've sought counsel from wise people, from Greg, from Ed, other people that we consider godly people, to run it by them and see what's their wisdom. And then number four, it takes practice. Learning to trust God and moving forward in a green light takes practice. The more that you do it, the more sure you are of yourself when God's speaking to you, say, yeah, go ahead. You know, step out into that ministry or step out into what, what it is that you're trying to do. And lastly, the yellow light. Here's the real question. Which of you are breakers or gassers when you hit the yellow light? <laughs> Go ahead and put it up, Dan. I know there's a third category that somebody like Greg would probably say, well, it depends. I might step on it if I'm through or, you know, it depends. But the yellow light in real life spiritually it's, it's a caution. The faster we're going, the more time we have to get to that red light. That means stop. And God will give us those cautions along the way to tell us this is going to stop. And how many times have you heard somebody in a bad relationship and they just ignored all the signs and then afterwards they look back and go, yeah, I, I guess there were signs along the way. He was all messed up. God gives those cautions. But the thing is, are we aware enough to see the cautions and to pay attention Or are we just on autopilot like when you go to work and you're ignoring what's around you? Do we want something so bad that we're willing to ignore the cautions and put our foot on the gas and go through the light? And are we willing to listen to the Holy Spirit inside and even when he says it's coming to an end and be willing to stop, to give up on a dream, something that you plan for, something that you want so bad, are you willing to pay attention to those cautions and come to that red light and walk away from it? That's the calling of God. So one thing as Christians, you guys, we have an enemy that works against us every day. That's his job. He never goes to sleep. He'll always try to convince you the exact opposite of what God's putting in front of you. He wants every red light to appear to be green. And he'll use everything in his arsenal. So imagine if you had never read the book, the driving manual. You'd never gone to driver's ed. You'd never learned anything about your car, how painful it would be to learn how to drive. It's like, oh, man, I had no idea that yield meant I was supposed to get out of the way. Or merge meant I was supposed to get out of the way. Or red meant stop. Or, oh, I had traction control. That would have been nice. Or I had heat. If we never read the manual, then we don't know what to do. And it's no different in our spiritual walk. If we're serious about it, we're going to read that driving manual and follow God's lead. Interesting, interesting study from the Barna Group. They do surveys on every, all kinds of topics, but... They do one every year on Bible reading, and this is their results from 2021. 54% of Americans say that the Bible contains everything a person needs to live a meaningful life. But just 34% of Americans read the Bible once a week or more. 50% read the Bible less than twice a year, including those who never read it at all. 
16% read the Bible more than twice a year, but not on a weekly basis. And only 16% of the U.S. population read the Bible most days during the week. And that's up from 12% in 2020. You know, this whole idea of a red light and a green light, it can be for the big decisions that we have in life, but it also goes to the nitty-gritty of our life. Everything. You know, I started with the scripture that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. It pertains to my speech. It pertains to my actions. It pertains to my personal habits when nobody's watching and my thought life. I have a friend who every time he would travel, he would go to a hotel, and the first thing he did was go to the front desk and say, turn off all X-rated and R-rated channels because he knew it was permissible for him to watch them in the room all by himself, but it wasn't beneficial. I know of a couple of women who stopped reading romance novels because it took them to a thought life that was outside their marriage. It was permissible, but it wasn't beneficial. I think of how many times on Facebook or something that you see something and, and I just want to respond. It's permissible, but it's not beneficial. I think of things that I could say to somebody that almost come out. It's permissible, but it's not beneficial. And I got to be sensitive to how the Spirit of God works from the big decisions in life down to the nitty-gritty of when I walk out of these doors today. What's green? What's red? What's yellow? Where are my cautions, God? So some of you might be at a crossroads today. You might have that big decision that you're at a red light right now, and you really need wisdom. You really need guidance from God. Some of you might take a look at the way that you've been living your life and go, you know what? There are some things that I know God told me to stop. I have a red light. I'm supposed to park the car, get out, and I'm supposed to stop doing them forever. But I keep doing it. I keep running that red light. And I want to stop today. I just want to put a stop. There's some of you that are at a green light, and you're ready. You're just afraid. You're afraid to go through that green light. Whatever your situation, I just want to carve about a minute out. And I want you to just talk to God. Talk to Jesus. The whole reason that Jesus died on the cross was so that he could have a relationship with you. He forgives all the sins. If you believe in him as your Savior, he forgives your sins. He doesn't hold it over your head. Sometimes I think we look at God as a no, no, no. But he's like, let's do it together. That green light, it's not a you go. Let's go. Let's go together. When it's a red light, let's stop. Let's pay attention to what the Holy Spirit has to say. So I just want to give you a minute. Just talk to God. Say, what is it in my life, Lord, that you're giving me a green light, a yellow light, a red light? And just spend a minute. We got a little bit of time. Let's just take a minute, okay?
Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you join us here this morning. Holy Spirit, as you as you talk to the hearts of the people, Lord, there's some big things coming up in this room that people really need your, your wisdom on. Lord, the people here that are struggling and stopping at the red light on things that you've asked them to stop, Lord. The people that are sitting at the green light and they need your they need your help to go forward. Lord, I thank you that you promise us when we seek you, we will find you. When we ask that we will receive. So as we walk out of here today, Lord, may we take this verse from Paul and just tuck it away in our heart, Lord, that as we go through our actions in the next week and we talk to people, we interact with others, that we have the chance to love people, Lord. We have the chance to serve you in whatever capacity you'd have us, Lord. May we be sensitive to your red lights, your green lights, and your cautions. May we grow in you each day, Lord, and, and I pray that we would open your word, that each of us would open your word this week and just spend some time in it, to learn it, to learn what you have to say, to learn how you want us to live, because you provide that direction, and it's free. So thank you, God, for being here this morning. Thank you for your promises to us. We want to give you all the praise and the glory and how we live our lives to the fullest. In your name we pray, amen. If you'd like prayer this morning, if you guys want to leave something at the altar, if you just want prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Feel free to come up. A few of us will be up here. Otherwise, have an awesome, awesome day.